0: To the RTI time machine. Today's time traveler is. John Van Trieste. And the destination. Geelong, 1626. In the early 1600s, Spain was still in the middle of its golden age. Spanish culture was flourishing, and Spanish rule extended across much of the world. The city of Manila, capital of the Philippines, was one of the empire's prized possessions. Merchants from nearby China came to sell Chinese silks in exchange for silver brought across the Pacific from Spanish Mexico. But all was not well. In 1624, a great enemy set up shop uncomfortably close to Manila on an island called Taiwan. To counter this threat, the Spanish came to Taiwan themselves two years later, setting up a Taiwan colony of their own. Professor Jose Eugenio Borau Mateo has made the study of this short-lived colony his life's work. He teaches in the Spanish department at National Taiwan University, and he's the author of the book The Spanish Experience in Taiwan, A Baroque Ending to a Renaissance Endeavor. Over the next few weeks, he'll be telling us about why the Spanish came here and what they did during their brief stay. He'll also tell us about the colony's fall and about his own first-hand experiences digging into this often-neglected piece of Taiwan's story. The Dutch had revolted against Spanish rule, and now they were in Asia, carving out their own piece of Europe's lucrative Asian trade. The Dutch blockaded Manila several times, threatening to disrupt the city's trade with China. But news of their colony on Taiwan set off new alarm bells. Stopping the Dutch threat was the main reason for Spain's interest in Taiwan. Still, the island held other attractions too. To a Catholic order called the Dominicans, the north of Taiwan seemed awfully close to two of their objectives, China and Japan.
1: The main reason they can hear is because they feel very strong threat from the Dutch. They started in 1600. When they make a blockade of Manila, they thought that to have a spot here in between in Taiwan would be convenient for them. And also the Dominicans, the missionaries, were pushing for this adventure because for them it was a very good occasion to enter for the first time in China and also to ensure the way that they have already towards Japan that was at that moment a real threat, no?
0: In 1626, the Spanish founded their base on the northern tip of Taiwan, on an island in what's now called Zilong Harbor. Professor Borau says that once they arrived, they met two villages of a trading people called the Basai. Both Spanish and Dutch writers note them, but after these Europeans left Taiwan, the Basai disappeared into history.
1: The natives here, they call always the Basai, and it's very interesting because later this tribe is not known again, doesn't appear in the sources, but also it's not only the Spaniards, also the Dutch, they talk very much about the Vasai. No? This a um, scholar, Peter Kahn, he has made the research on the Vasai, and he thinks that they're a kind of commercial network from the eastern area of Taiwan towards the north of Taiwan. No? It's like a special tribe, in my opinion, but, uh, in fact, there was not too many people. I mean, this was not overpopulated. There was only a few towns around, and the Spaniards dealt with two in Gilon Harbor, one called kimauri another one called Tapare. Huh?
0: When first meeting these commercially-minded villagers, the Spanish failed to leave a good impression. But things improved after missionaries insisted on compensation for burnt property, Eventually, Kimauri and Tapauri children were able to speak Spanish.
1: I think the relation, of course, at the very beginning was not good, in the sense that they were intruders. They burned some houses probably to intimidate them, and they escaped to the mountains. But because of the the request and the pressure of the Dominican missionaries, the military authorities assumed the blame for this and, and they start to pay compensation to the natives for their own houses, no? And they, I mean, not in a single shot, but little by little, different times, because we know that in one moment when they were not happy with the natives, they said, oh, maybe they don't reserve any more to receive this compensation, no? But I think in a few years, they... Came with, with relations because there was a lot of uh, interaction, especially the, the children, native children, they enter uh, in, in the fortress, uh, they speak Spanish very freely, and the whole town were converted, no? the Quimauri and Tepaori, and also Santiago, uh, probably about 1,000 new converts. No?
0: no matter how many local souls the Spanish missionaries converted, the threat from the Dutch, the main reason they were here, still loomed large. When the Spanish first arrived in 1626, the Dutch colony on the southern end of the island was still small. A Spanish armada of sorts was sent southward to wipe it out. Taiwan's weather didn't cooperate.
1: At the very beginning, I mean, the main threat was the Dutch, of course, because they have important power and they can make blockades to Manila. So the Spaniards saw that, and they thought that the best was to destroy this early Dutch post, because at the time, 1637 was very small. And the Spaniards fell, because of the weather, I mean, it was a very strong typhoon, and they try again a few months later with another fleet, and they have the same fate. So in that case, they just give up.
0: Two attempts, two fleets, two failures. But while they didn't succeed in their mission, these two fleets are interesting to look at, because the Spanish weren't the only ones fighting on the Spanish side.
1: The 1627 fleet, they had more than 1,000 uh, military personnel. No? They also were supplemented by local warriors especially for the Pampangan tribes near Manila, in the north of Manila. No? They were very loyal to the Spaniards in, in the Philippines, and they were even proud to serve the Spanish armies.
0: Soldiers from colonized peoples like the Philippine Pampangans are part of Taiwan's story too. The Spanish may have failed to drive the Dutch from Taiwan, but they were able to dig in. At Zilong, they built Fort San Salvador, which Professor Borau says was a serious, large-scale project.
1: It's very interesting, the fact that this fort was quite big, quite serious. When they make a project to, to go here to Taiwan, they have an, an ambition there no, to make a very big fort, probably the biggest one in the whole Faris. No? 100 meters square, they finish around... 36, 37, so in 10 years it was already finished, and some of the the Chinese who was coming from mainland China, bring materials to to work as a to construct, etc.
0: Spanish authority spread from Zilong, making itself felt across Taiwan's north coast. Meanwhile, Spanish missionaries tried to convert the indigenous people of the area. For example, in Tanshui, outside of what's now Taipei, they built a church under the protection of a second Spanish fort. Professor Borau, though, says that their success was limited to a group of nearby villages called Senar, where records show a Catholic procession was held. And being a missionary at the time could be dangerous. The 1630s saw some indigenous people turn against the Spanish, and some missionaries were killed in ambushes. Still, despite these setbacks and growing skepticism of the Taiwan colony's usefulness, the governor in Manila kept up his support for the colony and its missionary efforts.
1: The governor in Manila they have a junta kind of big meeting with uh, different people. One of them was the governor, García Romero, if I remember well. And he was for keeping the, the existence of the colony. But the other people were more opposing to this idea. Because in 1636, uh, the killing of two missionaries, a kind of ambush by the natives, that's why they decide soon later to leave that, that place and to concentrate only in Chile. Because at least in Chile they, they were welcome, no?
0: the governors that followed Garcia Romero would not be so enthusiastic about Taiwan. As supplies were axed and soldiers sent back to the Philippines, a colony meant to protect against the Dutch would instead become a weak target for a Dutch army. From trade and the search for a Taiwanese El Dorado to the colony's last stand and fall, there's a lot still left for us to explore. I hope you'll join me and Professor Barrau again next week for another journey back into the world of Spanish Taiwan.